Good morning, Christchurch. Superb, it's like school. It's brilliant. <laughs> My name is Dennis, and I am curate here, which just means I'm a vicar in training. I'm here learning from Richard and Nicola and Mike. If you're just joining us, uh, hello, welcome again. Uh, do have tea and coffee with us after. It'd be brilliant to catch up. Every new face makes me feel like an old face and helps me settle a bit more. So thank you for coming and do stay. We have been looking through a teaching series on blessing. We looked up to think through what it means to bless God. We looked in to see what it looks like to bless ourselves. We looked out to see what it means to bless one another and to bless our community. Over the weeks, we have thought through how the gospel is the one key to unlock a life of blessing. We've also looked at how through the gospel in our lives, we can be a blessing with all our lives. Everything from croquet to afternoon tea, or whatever it is that you, you do with your life. This week, at the end of our series, we'll be looking at how we can continue to bless God ourselves and each other when life is tough. So, for years, living under your parents' roof, you look forward to freedom. Head off to university or get a flat somewhere. And then after the first week, you find yourself missing home. Or you go through the joy of getting married, yay, and then find yourself in the midst of that inevitable first argument. Or you get a cute dog, find yourself in the first few nights wiping dog poo off your carpet. Many of you will resonate with this one. <laughs> you have a baby and find that you have to kiss goodnight to uninterrupted sleep and lions even when daylight savings gives you an extra hour. <laughs> the truth is, life is never simple. Like giving your life over to the king of kings, the one who made the universe, and slowly beginning to realize that following him, though a great joy and promise, is tough in a world that freely indulges in the things you know you desire, but also know aren't good for you. It's like the sigh a couple of years after seeing him go up in the clouds, with Roman soldiers approaching your doors because of the things you have seen and cannot deny. That sigh when the slow realization that he's not coming back as soon as you thought he might be begins to sink in. That thought that you may have to follow him into persecution, into suffering, into distinctive life, a life that's different, or even into death. Life is never simple. So the key question for us today, at the end of our whole series on blessing and blessed life, how can the scriptures be a resource to us when things are tough so that we stay in the place of not only receiving blessing from God, but blessing him, blessing ourselves, and being a blessing to those around us? We're going to try and achieve that today by closely reading the passages that have just been read out to us. And I've got five questions to hopefully help us with this, after which we'll have a chance to respond. So question number one is, why should we not be surprised by suffering? Number two is, what does commitment to our creator in the face of suffering look like? 
Number three is why is it important to know his plan? Four, what does it look like to follow his plan? And five, in what sense are we on the winning side? So number one, why should we not be surprised? Well, earlier in the book, Peter says we are strangers in this world. We will be swimming against the tide of this world. Our journey is drawing us heavenward. But heavenward is not where the world wants to go. A slave is not greater than his master, it says somewhere in the Bible. Neither a pupil greater than his teacher. If we follow the one who was crucified because he was going heavenward, we should not expect the road we walk on not to include some kind of testing, some kind of suffering, some kind of rejection. He was the first alien in this world. He was the son of God living amongst men. And they killed him. We too are aliens in this world. But so long as we bear God's name, we are Christians known by the name of Christ. For so long as we bear God's name, we too will experience this alienness, this rejection of the world. But that rejection is one layer of suffering. That is the suffering that's imposed upon us. There is the second layer of suffering, the one that comes from human sinfulness and its corruption of the earth and even our bodies. This is not imposed upon us. It's a consequence of us. I have a friend who's um, about to get married and he just found out in the last two weeks that his uh, mother-in-law and father-in-law might pass away before their wedding. It's, it's a tough space to exist, exist. That second layer of suffering and that first layer of suffering are both things that Jesus redeems. In both cases, we see through Christ the redemption of suffering as he turns it from an evil into something that can be for our good. At the center of our faith is the most gruesome thing. Because on there, someone suffered for us. He turned suffering into something fruitful. Through Christ, we we'll see suffering as the space of perseverance. Perseverance which, Scripture says, breeds character and character which breeds hope. That's why Peter's call for us to be joyful in suffering is true. It has come to test us, the Scriptures say. Peter says, in, um, you can look in the passage, to test us, to make us people of character people who share the same character as Christ. The same Christ did not waver in his commitment towards us, even in the depths of suffering, but graciously continued to give of himself. He continued to do good. He continued to bless those around him and his community. In the face of suffering, he continued to be faithful, committed to our Father in heaven, our Creator, so Peter's not asking us in this passage to do anything that Jesus did not exemplify himself. We are not to be surprised, but rather when suffering appears to commit ourselves, despite the circumstances, to the God who committed himself to us, despite the fact that we would openly reject him. But what does that commitment to the faithful creator look like? First, it looks like praising God in the midst of suffering. This sort of praise is not the, sort of the lies you tell when someone has done something wrong to cover it over. Um, it's not pretending that you're not feeling 
like he's not doing the stuff that you need to do. No, it's actually just acknowledging who God is before he hasn't done anything. Just name what he has already done. Mr. Sun, Moon, and Star Maker created the earth, handcrafted you, chose you for life, and gave you life before you even knew to ask him for anything. When you name who he is, the lover of your soul, that is praise. It's acknowledging him. It's not human praise where you do something good and people go, hey, that was fantastic. But then the rest of the time, you're just a normal person. This is just saying this is who you are. You are God in heaven. You are the creator. By this we know that God loves us, the Bible says, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still the enemies of God, Christ died for us. While we were choosing to live our lives for ourselves, God chose to live his life for us and was faithful even unto death with that choice of his. When we name who he is and we say what he has done before we ask for him to do anything else, we are reminded in the beginning, God has blessed us, and we are recipients of blessing. And that gives us the hope through which we can endure suffering, because we know who it is that we place our lives and our hands in. The hope in the knowledge of God, in the acknowledging who he is, in the blessing him, gives us the strength to persevere. Perseverance which breeds character in us. Character, which is the character of Christ, to whom we are being conformed through the testing. So when things happen, we look at them and we go, hmm, this is tough, this is hard, and it's worth saying this is tough. And he does on the cross, you know, he does. And when his friend Lazarus dies, he does. He, he weeps, he acknowledges, this is tough. This is tough. But in there, we are to know that through this, I will become more like Christ. The valley of the shadow of death is turned into the path to eternal life. And this is where number three comes in, the importance of knowing God's plan. Our, the prayer Jesus taught us is what we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. In other words... Bless you, Mr. Sun, Moon, and Star Maker. Your name is to be praised. We cannot wait for you to come and rule the earth. We cannot wait for heaven. Please, make it happen soon. Thy kingdom come. That's the plan. Some of it is already done, already accomplished. Christ has died. Christ is risen. It's done. He ascended into heaven, the creed says, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's done. Some of the plan is still to happen. Christ will come again. And Peter says, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, he will come again. What does he say after that in the passage? Then we will receive a crown of glory, a crown that will never fade away. That's the plan. 
There is a time coming, a time that we're walking towards as we follow the Good Shepherd. A time that we're walking towards as we follow the Good Shepherd, even through what looks and feels and sometimes is the valley of the shadow of death. Unlike the shepherds in our country who herd the sheep from behind, in what are relatively safe environments, the shepherd to whom Peter refers, who is the shepherd also to whom David refers to in the Psalms, is an ancient Near Eastern shepherd. The green pastures are on hillsides and are exposed so that for the sheep to sit and eat, the shepherd has to be vigilant and watchful. How do we know this? David, who became King David, had to fight off bears and lions to protect his sheep. The journey to and from the pasture would not have been a safe one because of the bears and the lions, obviously. So the shepherd needed to be brave and rather than herd the sheep from behind, walk in front of them so that he could spot whatever was in the way. He had to be the first to enter into the valley of the shadow of death to ensure that the sheep would be safe. But if you're in front of the sheep, how do you get them to follow you? To ensure they knew where to go, the shepherd had a habit of talking to his sheep, familiarizing them to his voice so that they would know where to go just by hearing him speak. So sheep became accustomed to the voice of their shepherd. So when it moved, they followed. So when Jesus says in John, my sheep know my voice and I know them and they follow me, this is the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep to which he refers. To know God's plan is to know the voice of the shepherd and to know that the destination which he leads to is a good destination. The path he walks is either to the paddock where he himself is the gate or to the pasture where he will watch over us as we are nourished. And though I walk the darkest path, I will not fear the evil one. For you are with me and your rod and staff are the comfort I need to know. And I will trust in you alone. Number four, following the plan. So because he is the good shepherd going before us through the valley of the shadow of death and into the glory that is to come, we commit our lives to him. If you look at a picture of a flock of sheep, amongst them there will be sheep who've made the journey with the shepherd many more times than the lambs who are just at the beginning of this rhythm of to and fro between the paddock and the pasture. The older sheep would have seen how dangerous some of the journey can be and probably witnessed the shepherd fight off some bears and lions. They would have seen the bravery, the love, the commitment, and the power of their good shepherd. So without hesitation, they would follow the voice of him who goes before them. And it is this obedience in following the shepherd that sets the example for the lambs. Peter says, 
in this way, elders. In this way, elders. You. In this way, elders can only be shepherds of God's flock if they themselves are sheep following the good shepherd. They can only lead the lambs in the direction that they have been led and are being led. It is their attentiveness to the voice of God and his instructions that make it clear to the lambs that following them, it makes it clear to the lambs that are following them that the way of the shepherd is the only way to pasture and life, even though it goes through the valley of the shadow of death. Peter's appeal is specific. Know the plan, know the shepherd, hear his voice, follow him, love like him, serve like him. He did not act as a ruler over those under his care, but instead was the perfect example, following his father's instructions, following his father's directions, an example of life-giving, the example from his father, life-giving and begetting love. Like Jesus, who did not have to do anything, for us, but did everything by grace. Elders are called to live graciously towards those who follow them. They are called to point to Jesus, the chief shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life, without whom no one finds pasture or the paddock where the good father is. Hey, don't get off the path. Stay on the path. He always leads us to the right place. Hey, don't get off the path. Stay on the path. He always leads us to the right place. At some points, you will be an elder. At some points, you would be a lamb. Peter calls us to do one thing. Be humble and follow the lead of those who are older, not in age, but who know the voice of the shepherd until you know the voice of the shepherd for yourself. It's a short, simple instruction. But before us is the valley of the shadow of death. What does it mean for us to be on the winning side? What makes the valley a valley of the shadow of death? For the shepherd, it's the shadow that makes it dangerous. Because in the shadow, where there is less light, a lion's harder to spot, and so is a bear. What does Peter say? Be watchful. Control yourselves. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He prowls around looking for someone to gobble up. In other terms, do not be ignorant. The shadow is not a safe place. Going off the path is going away from the voice of him who can protect you and does. What's his lesson to us, Peter? He says, remain strong in what you believe. In other words, stick to the plan. Take courage For one, you are not alone. There are loads of other sheep. The family of believers throughout the world is going through the same thing that you are going through. You are not alone. You are not alone. So when things are tough, you are not alone. Remain strong in what you believe. Stick to the plan. You are all on the winning side. Why? Because you have a good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep who is more powerful than death, which is the enemy's most powerful weapon. weapon. If you were to think about death itself, um, it's it's the one grenade that they can throw at us. You're immortal, so how do I keep you? You're you're not immortal, so how do I keep you away from God? Well, I just kill you. I take your life. And you won't know 
the, the, the goodness of being in, in the Lord's house. Because your life will be gone. But the good shepherd, the good shepherd lay down his life for his sheep. So that what happens when that grenade is thrown and the devil throws death at us? What do we see at the end? We see resurrection. We see a crown that will never fade away. Death has lost its sting. Death has lost its sting and will not keep you from the crown of glory that awaits you. The plan will be accomplished. So when trouble comes, it can only be a test. It's not for your destruction. It cannot, it cannot take from you the crown that is for you because of your shepherd. How do we respond to that? In a minute, uh, I'm going to sing that song, The Lord's My Shepherd. I won't sing all the verses. While I do, I'd just like us to, in our own space, just recognize our suffering. But also, the suffering of others, some of which we prayed for earlier. And I'd like us to unite our sense of frustration with things in our own lives from that first inevitable post-marriage argument to sleepless nights. Unite that with the rest of the flock, the suffering of the church worldwide, the persecution of Christians around the world, specifically um, the recent crucifixions of Christians in Syria for refusing to renounce their faith. And as I sing, if you feel led to joining in, then do so. Let's go a cappella. And let us specifically in the chorus declare our commitment to our creator, trusting in him alone. But first, let's have some silence to just take stock. To take stock and to ponder. And though I walk the darkest path, I will not fear the evil one. For you are with me and your rod and staff are the comfort I need to know. And I will trust in you alone and I will trust in you alone for your endless mercy follows me your goodness will lead me home and I will trust and I will trust in you alone and I will trust in you alone for 
your endless mercy follows me. Your goodness will lead me home. Should we stand together? I'm going to pray and um, the band's going to lead us in some songs and just take the time to respond to your Father in heaven. If you would like to uh, do put your hands before you cupped and into that just place your cares and your worries and those things that seem like tests and seem like troubles in this life and in fact are troubles in this life. In your heart, you might wish to say, remember me, O God, in this shadow. Peter says, cast your cares upon him. To just picture his hands coming right beneath yours and asking you to just pour those that you have empty hands. King Jesus, the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, look down upon us today. Give us your peace through the storm. In your own way, let us know that we are on the winning side. Give us your Holy Spirit, the guarantee of what is to come. The comforter. The God of grace will hold you. The God of grace will keep you. The God of grace will make his face to shine upon you. And we'll give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.